the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 159 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. First time we're recording in the same room in a couple weeks. First time for the 2022 MLB season, so we are excited about that. Bryce is fully back from his West Coast excursion. Uh, I was back last but now you're fully back. Like We're back in the same room. And I'm back from an excursion of my own. Um, I explored a part of New York City Saturday that I have only been to once in my entire life. Wow. Uh, Saturday. I mean, Staten Island? I saw... Well, no, that's not considered New York City. It's a borough, but... Oh, you're talking about Manhattan? This place is in... I think it's technically still in Manhattan. Did you go up to that area of... The Bronx, almost? I was in Washington Heights. Oh. I went to go see, with friend of the show, Corey Schwartz, we went to go see the band Wilco in concert at the Palace Theater. And it was, it was honestly, it was the funniest lost and found situation I've ever seen. Because... That's a great takeaway from a concert. Wilco's a jam band, and as you can imagine, the jam bands, we've both been to concerts, you were in a similar situation in the Snoop Dogg concert. There's a lot of people, not necessarily <laughs> yeah. us necessarily, but that partake in marijuana products. And to this venue's credit, the Palace Theater, great old venue, built in the 30s. Think like Radio City, but smaller, and in Washington Heights. If you had any marijuana products and you owned up to it before you went through security, they let you put it in a Ziploc bag with your name on it and let you get it after the show. So you couldn't get it for the concert, but that's way better than when you usually get shit confiscated in shows. Yeah, they didn't do that at the Snoop Dogg concert I went to. Yeah, well, when the artist is throwing joints into the crowd, it's a bit of a different beast, but they literally... That's like, I, look, New York's New York State is now a pro-cannabis, illegal, legalized cannabis state. There are commercials for it. Um, so, look, I guess that's as good as it's going to get. And at this concert, this is going to be our uh, first BovadaSportsBook.com over-under of the week. There was probably sitting in a box, and I will admit they took mine as well, a box with over 400 different Bic lighters. They took, they took lighters, lighters. Lighters are more important to take than national marijuana. Correct. Because inherently, if people are smoking pot, they're going to be mellow. Uh, you know, in a lighter, what does it do? It lights stuff. You could start a fire. All it takes is one asshole or one drunk idiot to ruin a concert. I've, I like going to concerts. I know that's not a very... I mean, you know for me, I, I like going to the concerts to the point that I gave myself long-term hearing damage at the age of 25, so... You know, I want to hear something. You know how... I think why Chase and I work so well together, I don't think either of us portray ourselves as particularly cool guys. I don't know if I would say that. I would say we're we're overly comfortable in our own skin. Yeah, that's a better way. just don't really give a shit what people think. For you, it's... 
We're in New York right now. You're wearing Denver Nuggets gears from head to toe. Uh, for me, some people say tie-dyes are out of style. For me, it's another Tuesday. My point was going to be the last three concerts I went to, for a guy who's not a particularly cool guy, Wu-Tang, Machine Gun Kelly, and Snoop Dogg. Well, I think you just like rap. Which is not true. I had a girl on Hinge today say, you should only go out with me if you like Machine Gun Kelly. No, Chase! And I was going to deflect her to you, but that doesn't usually work. It um, has. So I said, I'm going to see her twice this summer. And see him twice You're this summer. You're going to Lollapalooza? I am going to Where Lollapalooza. else? Are you going to Bonnaroo? I forget where the second place would be. I mean, he's in Fargo. I might have just made it up. He's in right. He's in Fargo right before. Mm, yeah. I might be going to the Fargo show. Yeah, I'll be at Lala. Lala will be a good time. Who do I know going... Oh, you should... But that's an off-the-pocket. The point being... If anyone's at Lala, hit up Chase. The point being, for me, this concert was a... Uh, you know, look, I think both of... Something that you and I also thrive in is, you know, embracing the past and moments of nostalgia when appropriate. And uh, Wilco, they were playing their... 2001 album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, in its entirety. If you haven't listened to the album, go listen to it. It's Pitchfork gave it a 10.0. It's arguably the critically acclaimed rock album of the 21st century. But the num the fifth song on that album, Jesus, Etc., was my first ever sing-song at Camp Scatica almost 20 years ago. Mine was Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel. So you hear yours every year, come Hanukkah time. It's a little less special for me to hear that song live and me just you know singing at the top of my lungs. It, it was cool. That is cool. Uh, yeah. Your first summer was... 2004. My first yeah. summer can officially vote this year. That's... Jeez. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking if I do end up going back to camp for a week or two... I mean, I guess you'll be there for a weekend. It's... Um, Allegedly. <laughs> I mean, you had this last year. It's weird that every camper... Wasn't even alive. Well, you just try not to think about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When you started camp. It'll be weirder for you this summer when your campers are all on staff with you. Yeah. Like, I crossed that bridge for the most part a while ago. For you, it's going to really kick you in the nuts this summer. Anyway, though, as much as we could talk about camp, music, concerts, all that good stuff, uh, the first full week of the regular season was underway. A uh, couple surprises, so we will just jump right in with our Bavada Picks of the Week, then do some standings and league leaders. So Bryce and I actually picked three games before the show. I picked a fourth. Uh, you picked a fourth. Recklessly, I must say. I, I think I included the fourth. Um, so should we just say what we picked? We're relying on all four. Um, so Pirates, Brewers. Pirates, meanwhile, 500. I have a friend of the show, Spencer Weissman, took the Pirates under because he's a shitty human being and a shitty fan. Um, but they're 5-5. Five and five. They I have mean, the same record as the Yankees. Uh, that's just more about the No, I good for Pittsburgh. Like, you're five and five. That being said, my pick was the Brewers. Yeah, Eric Lauer on the mound. This game's in Milwaukee. Zach Thompson for the Brewers. Uh we took Brewers minus one eighty four. Thompson for the Pirates. Thompson for the Pirates, thank you. We took the Rays visiting the Cubs. Uh, Shane McClanahan for the Rays, Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs. McClanahan is the most electric left handed starter in baseball. Uh probably him and Carlos Rodone. Hendricks for the Cubs. Uh, Hendricks was good opening day. He was real bad his last start. Rays are due for a win. Uh, the A's just took three or four against them, so we went with the Rays minus 148. Yeah, I think a thing to take away from this early season baseball is 
We know nothing. We know nothing, and teams actually take, which always, which philosophically, I don't, I don't understand why this is the case, but it seems to play out year after year. Baseball teams have a harder time finding themselves, which doesn't make sense to me because baseball. It took you a while to find yourself too, though. You're still doing it, some would say. Um, but no, with baseball, you'd think. I always think back to the 2011 Red Sox, the year they brought in Agon and Crawford. It's like, all right. You think you're just introducing talent to a lineup. Their skill set doesn't depend on anyone else. Baseball is more individualized than any other sports. It's not basketball where it's to pass someone, know their tendencies, know where they like the ball, or football, where a quarterback receiver has to be on the same page. There's baseball, also, there's also no lockouts in baseball. Not well, there's lockouts. There's no holdouts for the most part. A lot of holdouts in football nowadays. There are a lot of holdouts in football these days. All the top wide receivers, they said, were holding out in unison. Scary Terry, A.J. Brown, Debo. They all deserve to get paid. I digress. Continue with your point, though, about early season blues. The boys like it takes teams a couple games to find themselves. It, usually, it does take a month to really get in the full swing of things, especially in a post-lockout season where you know you don't have those reps. That you, have. you don't have that month of games leading up to it. You are, you're getting thrown into the fire playing more or less every day right at the jump. So the Pirates being five and five now, if Bovada live adjusts the over unders, I would still take the Pirates under if it moved up any degree. Uh, that's true for teams like Baltimore, who just took two out of three from the Yanks, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Uh, but yeah, so early season baseball, stay away would be my uh, my advice. <laughs> All that said, we took two more games. Uh, we <laughs> took the Astros minus one forty six at home against the Angels. Luis Garcia on the bump for Houston. Michael Lorenzen for the Angels. A uh, great first start uh, in the Angels uniform for Michael Lorenzen. Uh, he was a two-way player in, in Cincinnati, so I want to give him a shout-out. Um, all that said, we took the Astros minus 146 at home. Astros are due for a nice bounce-back series, and Trout's not playing for the Angels. That was my logic, at least. I mean, look, Trout, Trout seems to get hurt every year. I think the Astros are really good. I think they're going to be really good again. There's something down there. I mean... Without, I, there's something down. They're they're just a good baseball. Team. They're well. They weathered the storm from the trash can thing. They're proven that they are a well-run organization. Oh yeah, and look, the pitching without Brent Strom hasn't missed a beat. I mean, Verlander is going to be one of our players of the week. It, it, you could never tell a that this guy's coming off of Tommy John surgery because whenever other starters go on five six innings, the teams are pulling them. Verlander went eight scoreless and struck out seven in a win last week. Um, he looks great. I mean. One of us picked Verlander when the Cy Young. I, to be fair, originally had it on the page and then turn, changed my mind so that we didn't have the same pick. But yes, you picked Verlander to win the Cy Young. I picked Jose Barrios. Bad pick. Uh, but yeah, point being, the Astros machine just keeps chugging along. And the last game we picked, Padres at home against the Reds. Nick Lodolo, rookie on the mound for the Reds. Sean I think we also picked the A's. Oh, shit. We picked a lot of games. Uh, Sean Manea for the Padres. We ignored our own advice. We took Padres minus one and a half plus 106 in this game. Reds are the Reds. Uh, Jonathan India is still out with a hamstring injury. And Manea's looked real good so far. For me, it's kind of as simple as Manea's looked real good so far. Look, Manea looks good. He's always been good. Uh, and it's not... It's and been health. Granted, he's it's a new situation, but he's got the same manager. He's only had one manager. He's got the same manager, and he same stayed state. in the same state. And to be honest with you, San Diego's way, way better place to be than Oakland. I love the concept of San Diego. San Diego is the only place in California. You don't have to love the concept. You can just love San Diego. Well, I forgot I went. It's unbelievable. I mean, nobody ever says about... 
San Diego, why free agents don't go to San Diego? I mean, Machado did it. Hosmer did it. And now the team's good. To be honest with you, the answer for a long time, I think, was as simple as they just didn't spend money. Yeah, that's probably it. But, I mean, what's not to like? But even, I don't know, though. It's weird, though, because this team, it's Hosmer and Machado were the free agents, but they pretty much built this whole rotation through trades. Snell was a trade. Darvis was a trade. Clevenger was a trade. Manea was a trade. Uh, I Joe Musgrove was a trade. That's got to be a first in recent baseball memory that you not only have a great, a great five-man rotation, but not a single one is homegrown talent. Well, I feel like the Yanks have had not homegrown, but it's been free agents. Doing it through trades. Trade. I, I That's trade. a distinction. Trades are cool. All right, last game we picked. Everyone's favorite, Frankie Montas, on the bump for the A's in the Coliseum. Uh, we thought the Orioles were due for a letdown here, so we took the A's minus one and a half plus 100. Yeah, that series was rough. That... Um, yeah, the Orioles, the Yankees getting shut out yesterday cost me some money. You and me both. Moving to our league leaders offensively, Miles Straw leading baseball with 10 runs scored, coming off that nice extension. Hits leaders, three-way tie at 16, Wander, Matt Olson, and Jose Ramirez. Are any of those a surprise? I don't think any of those are I a think surprise. Matt Olson leading the league in hits is a surprise. I thought he was going to have a good year, but he's not necessarily known to be a contact guy. But if you're a Braves fan still complaining about Freddie... Just stop. Matt Olson so far has two homers, uh, two ribbies, 11 walks, and he's hitting 421 with a 1.235 OPS. I mean, when it happened, I texted. They got better. I said, I don't think it was a downgrade. No. They got. Opportunity cost for those economics folks. They got, I guess, comparable skill set on a cheaper, cheaper and younger version. I think version. they just got a younger version of Freddie. It's as simple as that. I would rather, I think we, at the time, we said we'd rather Olsen for eight than Freddie for six. Yep. Owen Miller for the Guardians. Guardians offense, just huge surprise early. Seven doubles. Triples leader, Jazz Chisholm, Jesus Sanchez, Colton Wong with two triples apiece. The Marlins can fly. Home run leader, CJ Crone and Vladito. We'll talk about Vladito in a second. With another one of our, another one of my great awards picks. Five home runs apiece. Jose leading with 15 ribbies. Walks leader so far, unsurprisingly, Juan Soto with 12 walks. Uh, let's do the strikeout leaders. Uh, with 18 apiece, also unsurprising, Aquino for the Reds and Dansby Swanson. Stolen base leader with, that's a surprise, Luis Roberts leading baseball with five steals. I mean. I guess that makes up for the fact that he's only hitting 194. If you, I mean, I think the White Sox, I like the White Sox on paper. I like them a lot on paper. I'm also going to give a quick shout-out here. Uh, he's third in baseball with three steals. Cody Ballinger, not great, but 250 average, 351 on base. That is night and day from what he was in the past two years. I, his free agency is going to be interesting. I hope we don't pay him. Owen Miller leading baseball with a 500 average. OBP. Well, go back to the average. Going back? Uh, shout, again, We he, get, he should be talked about. Well, hold, hold the shout-out, because I think he's the OPS leader. Okay. OBP, G-Man Choi, Yankee Killer, Split Master, 613. Slugging and OPS leader uh, is Nolan Arenado, your MVP pick. Um, that was not the shout-out I was going to give. Oh, well, I'll give a quick shout-out to Nolan, your MVP pick year in and year out. I, I think after last year, and again, Nolan had a solid year. He had, I think, 33 homers, 105, 106 RBIs. Um, but it wasn't compared to his usual standards. I think now in his first full non-COVID year uh, with the Cardinals, he's out to prove I'm still one of the best. And watch out, rest of baseball. One of us never doubted, Nolan. He also gets to play with his idol. Alberto? 
the machine, who is probably not a player of the week candidate. He's on the notes. Of course he is. Do you read the notes? I checked the notes. Yeah, he's on there. Don't worry. Well, I know, but is he a player of the week? He's in the discussion. He's further down. He gets a shout-out. Honorable mention. But he gets a shout-out every week. But now he's actually doing good things. Yeah, he's on there. Uh, I'll give a shout-out here. See ya, Suzuki. Mm-hmm. What a great first week in the majors. I mean, there were some questions about how this guy would adapt. Uh, nine games, four homers, 11 ribbies. Strikeout-to-walk ratio is even. Uh, and he's hitting 400 with the 543 on base percentage. I can only hope he comes to Livingston to visit Frank Schwindel in the offseason. I'm going to give my shout-out now. This is a guy we talk about a lot, and he needs to be mentioned more. Well, I think we know Jose is a superstar. I know, but I just want – he doesn't get enough. He is – He's on a sneaky Hall of Fame trajectory. He's on a – he's also 5'9", 190, which means I could take him in a fight perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Pitching side of things, ERA leaders so far with zero. Nope, skip this one. Well, no, I'll do guys who start. One of them is the player of the week, Andrew Haney. Uh, Merrill Kelly, Taylor Meagle, and Drew Smiley, and Bruce Zimmerman for the Orioles all have a zero ERA. Wins leaders so far, Adam Simber and Toronto out of the pen. Three wins and five appearances. That's a hell of a ratio. Yeah, huh? I don't know. <laughs> That's cool. Saves leader, uh, Jordan Romano, six saves, six games. Blue Jays bullpen, absolutely kicking ass so far. Innings pitch leader, Hugh Darvish, 14 and a third innings. Strikeout leader, Carlos Rodon, 21 strikeouts. Uh, and the whip leader so far is Sean Manea, .54. I want to talk about Rodon real quick. I mean, he followed up the 12 strikeout performance with six innings of one run ball, nine more strikeouts. Uh, so far, it is looking like Carlos Rodon is going to opt out and get fucking paid and him and Logan Webb may sneakily be the best one-two punch in baseball this year. Or at least the best one-two punch that no one's going to talk about. I'd say that's the hottest take you could have. But who... I mean, it's DeGrom Scherzer if they're healthy. Yeah, but we don't know when DeGrom's going to pitch. I'm saying right now, Rodone, guys on the field. The thing with Rodon is no one's doubted the talent ever. It's, it's can he put it together for a full season. It's the health. Uh, standing so far, ALEs, Blue Jays in first, 6-4. and four. Red Sox, Rays, and Yanks, all 500. Orioles, 3-6 and six in last. AL Central, White Sox, 6-3. and three. Guardians, Tigers, Twins, Royals, rounding out that division. Angels in first, 6-4, 10 games in. Strohs, A's, Mariners, Rangers, rounding out the AL West. God, the Rangers, that's disappointing. They just they didn't have a lot of pitching to begin with, and now with Jonathan Gray on the injured list, it's just it's going to be an uphill battle for them. Simeon's also not really hitting. 2-7 and seven is just bad. It's a tough start. Um, look, we give the Mets a lot of shit. They're the best April team I've ever seen. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way. But no, they're good April, May, July, August, September. It's June that fucks them. Mets in first, 7-3. and three, Only team above 500 in the NL East. Braves, Marlins, Phillies, Nats rounding out that division. NL Central, Cardinals 5-3 and three in first. Cubs, Pirates, Brewers, Reds rounding out the Central. Oh, apologies to Pirates fans earlier. We, uh, we said they were 5-5. Five and five. They are 5-4. and four, better, record, better record than the Yanks. Uh, and in the NL West, Dodgers and Giants both seven and two. Rockies six and three. Padres six and five. D-backs three and six. Uh, so far, early watching the Dodgers and Giants, I think the Dodgers will win the division again. This will win the division this year. The Giants won it last year, but so far it is shaping up to be another very exciting race in the NL West on paper. And the Dodgers are on pace for. They're both on pace for 126 wins. Yeah, the, and this Giants team, it's again, you know, especially with Chris Bryant, no stars, but just a. It's almost like they're the only – them and the Rays, they're system teams. As dumb as that sounds in baseball because it's such an individualized sport, like you said, they just plug guys in and they let them do their thing. 
Yeah, um, I don't know what your week looks like, but going to a Mets-Giants game this week could be a Doubleheader tomorrow. We probably won't go to two Mets-Giants games. Scherzer's first start as a Met tomorrow night at, at City Field. Um, if we can get a sponsorship from a ticket provider, maybe I'll reach out to Vivid Seat. Eli Russo wants to go. Tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. Have him text me. Maybe we'll make an appearance. Um, all right, our players of the weeks. I mean, the first shout-out, and I'll preface this by saying, this goes hand-in-hand hand with our shout-out to Nestor Cortez. Um, if I had told you through the first week that Garrett Cole would overwhelmingly be the Yankees' worst starter of the season so far, what are the Bavada odds on that? Because to me, it's pretty un- indisputable when you look at the statistics. I mean, he's been roughed up every time he's out there. It's been... Look, it's two, it's two starts... It's Garrett Cole. There's a reason he has over $300 million coming his way. Uh, but as a Yankee fan, it's just... But these two coming off the wild card game in Boston last year, he has to do something epic yep. soon. Like, I mean like a complete game of one hitter. And his start... And look, his start Wednesday against the Blue Jays, he did look better. Five and two-thirds. Gave up three earned. Um, and the reason he gave up th- three earned, it was the Vlad Jr. show. Um, he busts his hand open early. Uh, he walked off the field with a blood-soaked towel around his newly redesigned right ring finger. Uh, and what does he do? He hits three home runs, hits two home runs and a double off of Garrett Cole. It was his second career three-homer game. Uh, the first which came against Max Scherzer in April of last year. Uh, he's 23 years old. He's the second youngest player in ALNL history to hit two three-homer games, uh, trailing only Boog Powell, who was 22 years old. And he's the youngest player in MLB history to go 4-for-4 four four or better with 3-plus home runs and 4-plus extra base hits in a game. I, I, right I like now, he's going to run away with the MVP, I think. Well, I think it's... I mean, baseball writers don't always operate this way, but you see a lot of times in the NBA when it's... This is his time to get the... Like, he's got the narrative. It's his It's his time. He's spent... It's he, Vlad's time. Because last year, the narrative was he would have run away with the MVP if it wasn't for a... Historic... Unprecedented two-way season from Otani. And I, I think baseball wants... He should... He, I mean, they, one, he, he... He's... I mean, the season ended today. He deserved it. Uh, but he's fun. He's everything you want in a baseball star. His dad did it. He's in a big... He might be a better hitter than his dad. Like, raw hitting ability, as crazy as They were sounds. talking about this on the K-Rod cast last night. Are there any father-sons both in the Hall of Fame? In baseball? And I know it's way too early to project Hall of Fame for Junior, but... I can't think of any in any sports, really. Who in any sport? Maybe hockey. And we just... Uh, the holes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll think about the other three. Because Archie's not in. No. But, I mean, look, what Vlad's doing is incredible. I mean, the second the second home run he hit, the first home run just got over. Literally just got over. Hicks had it in his glove. It went over onto the netting. The second home run, Cole threw a 98-mile-per-hour fastball, probably three feet in on Vlad's hands. And he just got his hands out and crushed it for a home run. And what Garrett Cole did was right. Sometimes you just tip your hat to an unbelievable hitter. Nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. Um, and, look, it's got to come off. And it's, look, Vlad is... Glad what you want. So, and we were very high on the Blue Jays. So, good for Vlad. I, you know, Vlad's just cool to watch. He's, and he doesn't just. I mean, other than that one against Hicks, it's not like most of his home runs don't just get over. He has no, they're no doubt. 
One highlight for the Yankees this past week, it was a bad week. We lost 2-3 or against Baltimore, and we'll talk about our struggles in a second. But Nestor Cortez yesterday, um, through two starts, he's the first player in Yankees history with 15-plus strikeouts and no runs allowed through his first two games of the season. Yesterday, he goes five scoreless, 12 strikeouts, had an immaculate inning, um, which is the ninth in franchise history. Mike King and Chad Green achieved the feat last season. For those of you who don't know what an immaculate inning is, you strike out the side, nine pitches, nine strikes, you're done. Uh, the Yanks ended up losing the game 5 nothing, but uh. Nestor looked unbelievable. And, and we're at the point where I know last year it might have been – some people, myself included, thought, oh, this was smoke and mirrors. He's a little gimmicky with the different arm angles, this and that. Nestor Cortez is a big league starter. He's a starter. I'm, I am I tend to prefer to be late on people than early, so I'm going to hold off calling him the – an elite starter, but no, but he's a legit big league starter. No, he just has a spot in a rotation for a while. Yeah, and he eats innings. He not only gets strikeouts, but he goes deep in every game, which is huge. Because as soon as he turned it over to the pen yesterday, it was bad. Great mustache as well. Also, got to give a shout out for the Yankees before we talk about a bad. I got one more for the good. Shout out to Mike King. Um, Chapman walks the bases loaded against the Blue Jays Friday, and Chapman is a great example. Uh, and I was actually talking about about this with my doorman Richie. He's a Mets fan, and Edwin Diaz is very similar to Chapman in this regard. Yeah. They're both relief pitchers, or when they don't have it, you know right away. But we see now with this three-batter rule, it really hamstrings managers. Because Chapman, after the first batter, you knew he did not have any fastball command. He walks the bases loaded against the Blue Jays. It's the top of their order. King comes out, and within six pitches, gets out of the jam. Yanks win 3-0. One of the most clutch relief appearances I've seen in pinstripes in quite some time. I mean, I know it's early, but division games are always important. So look, look no further than last year. The Yankees tied with the Red Sox. The wild card game was in Camden Yards. The Rays went fifteen and one Fen- at Fenway Park. I'm saying Camden Yards because my next point is about the Orioles. The Rays went fifteen and one against the Orioles, um, or seventeen and one, and I think the Yanks went eleven and seven, eleven and eight. And again, I know we say it's just April, it's this and that, but. That was the difference last year. And for these Yankees, now we'll dwell on the negative. Uh, Chapman's the only reliever in the modern era to walk three batters or more, to walk all three or more batters he faced in one appearance and then issue a walk-off in his next appearance. He had a walk-off walk against the Orioles. You got to win these games. And, and to me, the issue is it's not even – it's people are going to get on Boone. Boone hasn't been the problem Well, so people far. don't like Boone. I get and it. If you don't like Boone, if you're not liked – you're going to get the blame. That's how it works. It's just early so far. It's the same shit as last year. They just can't string together a rally, and they can't get big hits. And and there's been some bright spots. DJ looks looks like he's back to 2019, 2020 DJ. He's over that core injury. Hicks looks good. Hicks looks good. I hate Aaron Hicks, but he looks like a legit OBP leadoff threat. But, yeah, it's just they don't do the little things well, and it's crushing the Yankees so far. It's the same shit as last year. Yeah, I mean – Drop. This is. I I don't even know what the fix is. My whole they need more. What is it? It just there isn't. It's boomer bust throughout the lineup. Yeah. And that doesn't work. I mean Thursday to beat the Blue Jays, it took. It was the IKF and Jose Trevino game. I mean they were our offense from the eight and nine holes, and you just can't expect that to happen every game. Well, Stanton's great when he's on, but he's. Stanton's been fine. I mean some of his. Some of his swings, he had, might have some of the worst swings in the entire league. Yeah, but he hits the ball so hard. It's what it's kills so you. Far. What kills you is I hate to say it, and I want to support him. Gallo is just does nothing. Well, he 
he's better than anyone in the league in hitting the ball right to people. Yeah, if he hits it at all. Like, he hit one on the nose yesterday right at the shift. Like, did not have to move. I think it was the shortstop covering on the right field side a second. Didn't take a step. Yeah, we could be frustrated about the Yankees for a while, but we got some news and some more players of the week. Uh, Shout out to Hunter Green. This was the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Hit 104 in his AAA debut in 2021 on the mound. Uh, Two starts to the big league level. He's lived up to his hype. He threw 20 fastballs at at 100-plus miles per hour in his debut. Good for the seventh most by starting pitcher since 2008. Uh, And against the Dodgers, so not against the bullshit lineup, against the Los Angeles Dodgers, probably the best lineup in baseball. Um, He shattered Jacob deGrom's record of 33 33 pitches in a game of 100-plus miles per hour. Uh, He threw 39 fastballs that broke Uh, 100-plus. And he was also the third pitcher ever in the pitch tracking era since 2008 to have multiple strikeouts of 101-plus miles per hour in the single game. Reds, it's going to be a long season, but you got a good one at Hunter Green. This guy is a gamer, and he is legit. I'm going to give it. And he had TJ already. I have an idea for Bavada. Okay. Prop bet, Hunter Green pitches clocked at over 100. For the year? Every start. I think you have to go over under 25 at least to start. This guy just pumps fastballs. I think I'd hammer the under there and just assume he gets lit up. One of these days just can't make it. You know what's been interesting early, and this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that? I know National League traditionalists are gonna hate the DH till the day they die, but it's been so nice to watch National League Baseball and not have to think like, oh, God, it's a nothing-nothing game. They're going to pull this pitcher in the fifth inning when he's dealing because they need to push a run across. Yeah, I was at an NL game on the 8th. I think it was the 8th. No, the 10th. I was at the Dodgers-Rockies series finale. And it was the first time I've been to an NL game with no D, with the DH. It's nice. I mean, I love the because I, I never got to see a pitcher hit a home run in all the NL games I went to. The closest was R.A. Dickey flew out deep to left. <laughs> I would have loved to see a pitcher hit a home run. I guess I can just keep going to Otani games. That's the closest you're gonna get. Couple other players of the week. This one's actually going to be from the NPB in Japan. Uh, last week, Rosie Sasaki threw the first perfect game in the league in 28 years. Uh, and this week, he struck out 14 over eight perfect innings against the Nippon Ham Fighters before being pulled. Uh, he struck out the side in the eighth while reaching 101 miles per hour, but was pulled uh, from a nothing nothing game after throwing 102 pitches. Preview of something to come that we're going to talk about. Um, he's retired his last 52 batters in a row and has a 116 ERA and four starts this season. So he's 20 years old. Figure he'll be in America by the time he's 24, 25-ish. Let's hope he... Just keep your elbow together, man. It's been sweet to follow this. Yeah. I want him on the Yankees. The next Tanaka. Let's hope he doesn't... I know that Japan Japanese players tend to run them into the ground. And and when they come over, they tend to gravitate to the West Coast. But let's hope we get him. Yeah. Let's see what he does the rest of the season before we, you know, project him. Doesn't matter. This, what, 52 in a row? 52 in a row. Yeah, I don't care if you get if you give up 52 hits in a row after that. If you have this 52 outs in a row potential, I want you on my team. Another player of the week, former Yankee, pains me to say this, but I have to give a shout-out to Andrew Haney. Um, Sunday, he had 11 strikeouts over six scoreless dominant innings. Uh, so far, he hasn't given up any runs as a Dodger. His 11 strikeouts were the most uh, in one of his starts since August 2019 when he struck out 14 with the Angels. I mean, this guy 
Public enemy number one with the Yankees last year. Had a 5-8-3 ERA. Some would say cost us home field advantage in that wild card game. Oh, he was bad. And uh, credit to the Dodgers for unearthing something and believing in him because Haney looks real good. I actually think he wasn't as bad as we remember him on the Yankees. I think he had, he a had some good starts against him. He had one very good start against the Red Sox. Yeah, I think he had a, just like some. So it was just the bad was just so bad. Yeah, no, the bad was memorable, so he will never be forgiven. Shout out to Juan Soto at 23 years and 169 days. He's the seventh active player to belt 100, belt 100 home runs at age 23 or younger, joining Miggy, Bryce Harper, Acuna, Pujols, Stanton, and Mike Trout. Uh, he first home run in 2018, his age 19 season. First of many achievements for Juan Soto. Bovada over under of those seven names you just mentioned, 6.5 Hall of Famers. Over. I think all these guys are Cooper's downbound. Speaking of which, uh, hopefully next week we're reporting this, but Milestone Watch... Miggy's at 2,995 hits. Five away from being this, I think it's the seventh or the eighth member of the 3,500 club. Can you do it off the top of your head? Yes, I think so. I, <coughs> we can go back and forth on it. Pools, A-Rod in modern. Mays, Aaron, Murray. I think Palmero's in it. And Palmero. So Miggy would be the seventh. I think that's the club. It's a good fucking club. Over under six point five. I say A Rod. Yeah, yeah. Over under six point five Hall of Famers out of that group. Under, unfortunately, because of Alex and Palmero. Oh yeah, well under. But shout out to one of those guys, Albert Pujols. Three hours before Tuesday's first pitch, he left the batting cage. Said to his manager Oliver Marmol, "I'm seeing the ball well, and I'm going to jump on the first pitch I see and do some damage with it." And that's what he did. He had a home run, 368 feet into the seats for the 680th home run of his career against the Royals. It had been 3,855 3, days since Pools lasted a home run at Bush Stadium as a Cardinal. Look, we spoke about it before the show. Dude mashes lefties. Yep, he could still do that. He's batting over 300 in limited appearances. I mean, yeah, this is it for him, and it should be, but, like, kudos to Pools. Shout out to Corey Seager. Um, he became one of a few players to ever be intentionally walked with the bases that loaded. That was fucking stupid. It was so bizarre. Joe Mannon walked him with the bases loaded uh, with one out in the Angels trailing 3-2. Probably not necessary. All the runs behind him scored anyway, but the Angels ended up to win. Uh, he joins Josh Hamilton, Barry Bonds, Bill Nicholson, Mel Ott, Del Bisanti, uh, Nap Lajoey, and Abner D- Dalrymple. 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 I don't think he's really. There was a, a Georgia Tech standout basketball player in the 80s. He was teammates with Mike, Mark Price, uh, Bruce Dalrymple. He's on an SI cover with a sh- The two of them are on a cover. This with- guy did it in 1881, so I think no relation. I would expect no relation. And shout out to Corbin Burns. He not only won seven scoreless uh, in their home opener, uh, but he also picked up the bar tag for hundreds of people in Milwaukee. That's not. A, That's what you want out of your superstar Cy Young. Winner. Yeah, no, Milwaukee bar tabs are no joke. I think there are more bars per square foot in Milwaukee than any other city in America. That checks out to me. Um, all right, let's talk about a former Cy Young winner. I think was he your pick for the NL Cy Young? I fucking opted out this year. I gave up on it and I went with uh, I went with Wheeler, which looks terrible. So this was a start in the first week of the season, and I and I think without a doubt it's going to be the most polarizing decision of all of 2022 in Major League Baseball. Clayton Kershaw in Wednesday's seven nothing win against the Twins tossed seven perfect innings in his first start of 2022. Dominant. He was only at 80 pitches, so the pitch count was very manageable. He had 13 strikeouts. It would have been his second career no hitter and the first perfect game of his 15 year career with the Dodgers. Um, but Dave Roberts took him out. 
Uh, they said Kershaw had to consider the left forearm injury he struggled with last season and the platelet-rich plasma injection he had in October that, that led to a delay in his normal offseason uh, work. There was then the lockout and abbreviated spring training. Uh, so Kershaw knew the hook was coming from Dave Roberts. He said, blame it on the lockout, blame it on me not picking up a baseball until January. My slider was horrible the last two innings. Couldn't have been that bad, but that's an aside. It didn't have the bite. It was time. Uh, in the eighth inning, Gary Sanchez, of all people, breaks up the no-hitter with one out. And uh, this was the second time that Dave Roberts has pulled the starter deep into potential historic, historic territory. In September 2016, he pulled Rich Hill after seven perfect innings because of the starter's blister issues. Earlier that year, he pulled uh, Ross Stripling after seven and a third no-hit frames in his big league debut. And in Walker Buehler's third career start in 2018, he was pulled after five no-hit innings. Uh, and Roberts said he's pretty honest and understanding of where he was at, how he was feeling, what's at stake, the win, the no-hitter, the potential health risk, all that stuff matters. There's no right 100% answer, but in this case, I felt it was very clear to me what the right decision was. Give us seven great innings and hand the ball off to the next guy. Uh, Kershaw admitted he would have liked to keep pitching, but he accepted that it was the right choice, um, saying at the end of the day, those are individual things. Those are selfish goals. We're trying to win. That's all we're really here for. As much as I would have wanted to do it, I've thrown 75 pitches in a sim, sim game. Hadn't gone six innings, let alone seven. Sure, I would have loved to do it, but maybe we get another chance. Who knows? You, I'll go first and let you defend your Bruins. He, real quick, he had 11 strikeouts with the slider, the most in a game he had at that pitch in his career. 17 swings and misses, uh, and he's now 13 strikeouts away from tying Don Sutton's Dodger record of 2,696. Also, uh, do not have me try to be the one to defend Dave Rowers because we went to the same college. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I was vehemently against this. But I'll let you go first, and then I'll give some follow-up analysis. It, this is upsetting. This It just bothered me. Oh, God. This is why people fucking hate baseball. You have the opportunity for a generational pitcher, maybe the generational pitcher, to do one thing he hasn't done. There's been 22 perfect games in He's baseball done, history. He's done everything else. Yeah. And you pull him out when everybody was watching. This was one of the few times, especially early. It's like the first game of the year in this. All eyes were on baseball. And as soon as everybody shifted to MLB Network or ESPN, they pulled him. It was just... It was, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. I was mad. And mad too. It's just a bummer. Kershaw deserved it. If he wanted it, he should have been... If he want, Like Kershaw said all the right things. Which he does. Of course. Because he always, he always has. But yeah, this is tough. It's like Kershaw's resume is unimpeachable at the moment. It's inassailable. It's the best there. It's you think the be- unimpeachable is the word you wanted to use there? Yeah, look up unimpeachable. Okay. Um, I also use inassailable. I guarantee you they're listed as synonyms. I'm not going to argue with you. My vocabulary and my palate are that of a 10-year-old at times, but continue. I have an unimpe- unimpeachable vocabulary. All right, finish your point, Jackass. It's... It's such it, it was one thing he could do. It was the one thing missing on the resume. Just pitch until he gives up a hit. And it's not... Or walk. Pitch until he gives up the walk. If he walks a guy, you pull him. God, that's Give him the shot. Yeah, I don't really have much to add except, you know, this to set baseball back early. Uh, this tweet from Chris Karma kind of sums up what it's we great, are. It's great to see that Kershaw still has it. It's great to see Kershaw still has it. And it's great to see that so many people still care about old... Not old school traditional baseball, but like the purity of the game itself... Because everybody, even casual baseball fans, were texting me how pissed they were about this. I mean, Chris, Car- Chris Carver tweeted this out. The 2022 season was only seven days old, and three pitchers have been pulled with no hitters through six-plus innings, all three in the NLS, Darvish, Manea, and Kershaw. Well, the thing with baseball, that ba- baseball has something that no other sport has. If you go to a baseball game... An antitrust exemption. That too. There's a chance, albeit a small one, 
that you go to a baseball game and see history. Like, yeah, there's only so much history that can be said in all the other sports. Like, is somebody going to score 100? No. Probably not. It's a lot more likely. Football, that, you can have some crazy offensive games. But what's but the history? Eight touch, seven touchdowns? But do, do casual football fans know that seven touchdowns is the single game passing record? No, of course not. I, I'm pretty sure the rushing record is five. Like, I think... But these can like I think didn't Kamara have six or were those not all rushing? I don't think they were all rushing. I think it may have been seven. That was a crazy game. Shouldn't yeah. have traded him that year. Uh, but no, see, I, every time you go to a baseball game, I think everyone in the stadium knows not to mention the no hitter perfect game thing. Of course not. When people are texting me about it, I was literally sitting here with Andrew and I said, "Look at the Kershaw box score." I go, "But do not say out loud what happened." He goes, "Oh." It's cool. It's the coolest thing in the world. And Roberts took it away. Yeah. I'm I'm choosing to take the big the big boy approach that you did of the silver lining is so far Kershaw looks like he's back and that's awesome for us as fans. It's awesome for the game. Let's end on the positive note. Uh, I do have two funny tweets about this, though. One was from Aaron Lehman. Uh, the Twins organization that day, their major league team got one hit and their AAA team got no hit. I was very high on the Twins. I still... I mean, they beat the shit out the Red Sox today. But I do think they actually... If you look through their lineup, they have a very no-hittable lineup. A lot of swing and miss guys. Like, last year, who was it? I think the Mariners were no-hit twice in, like, a week. Yeah, I... The Twins, the Diamondbacks... There are some teams that, if you go to one of their games, you have a shot. And from Super 70 Sports, on the day Clayton Kershaw was pulled from the perfect game after 80 pitches, I'd like to remind you that Ray Chapman got struck by lightning, was revived, and finished the goddamn game. That was a fantastic tweet. Just shows the times that they are changing. Uh, Back to 2022, though. Brian Reynolds was set to hit arbitration, the Pirates All-Star. And again, especially now that the arbitration series, because of the spring training delays, are taking place in season, it's very awkward. They're, those hearings are inherently awkward because you're basically just shit-talking your star player. Um, but now I think they're even weirder. But they avoided the arbitration hearing. Uh, Brian Reynolds got a two-year, $13.5 million guarantee. Deal coverage of 2022 to 2023 campaigns. Doesn't affect the team's window of contractual control. Uh, Reynolds had filed at 4.9. The team had counted at 4.25. Um, so all told, you know, Reynolds got more than he was looking for. Could he have probably gotten more next year? Had he gone through the arbitration process? Sure. Um, but again, this guy is a pirate. Uh, he's going to hit free agency at 30, so he's a little bit on the older side, so he locks in some money now. And at the end of the day, it still makes him super tradable. I mean, I think that's a lot of that's a lot of money, man. <laughs> that's a ton of money. So good for him. And again, I, I always advocate for Pittsburgh as a place to live. It's very nice. I would advocate for Pittsburgh over Salt Lake City. And I, they, sure. I like. I did not like Salt Lake City. So at least good for you, Brian Reynolds, to not have to move to Salt Lake City. All right. So we're talking old school. We're talking new school. Uh, I want to talk about this Giants Padres game because a lot happened. The unwritten rules were kind of set on fire. Uh, so I have this broken down oh, into. God. I have this broken down into the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we're going to start with the good. Um, coming into the twenty first century. I'm going to go back 20, 22 years. The Bavada odds of a female on-field coach in Major League Baseball 
was just not going to happen at the time. We were so far away from that as a society. No. But history was made. Gabe Kapler, very progressive manager. Um, Alyssa Nacken broke another historical barrier on Tuesday night. She became the first woman to coach on the field in a major league game in the Giants' 13-2 victory over the Padres. Uh, she took over the first base coach spot in the top of the third inning after Antoine Richardson, the Giants' first base coach, was ejected by crew chief Greg Gibson following a dispute with Padres' third base coach Mike Schilt. Um, Nakin said bench coach Kai Correa came down to the batting cages and told her she would be replacing Richardson. She made her on-field debut, and while she downplayed the achievement, uh, players on both teams seemed to understand the significance of the moment. She received a congratulatory handshake from Eric Hosmer and a big hug from Giants catcher Kurt Casale when she returned to the dugout in the bottom of the third. That's awesome. I got nothing else to say of make the game more inclusive. This is great. The more the merrier. Well, in some career news... I have been appointed the uh, DEI coordinator on my team. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I will just congratulations. This is a good achievement. Anytime, like anytime, deserving people get jobs they deserve, regardless of gender, race, orientation. It's a good day. The only thing that sucks about this is that she only got this opportunity to appear as the first base coach uh, because of alleged racism during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the bad. Giants face first base coach Antoine Richardson and Padres third base coach Mike Schill. Uh, they had to meet at Oracle Park early Wednesday morning to speak on the field to resolve their dispute from the night before. Uh, in the Giants' 13-2 victory over the Padres, the two coaches were involved in an argument that led to Richardson to Jackson amid an incident he would later say had undertones of racism. Uh, he said the next day, I just want to make it very clear, in no way do I believe Schilty is a racist. What I was trying to do was just bring awareness to how words impact certain communities, even though they may not have ill intent. This was just helping us to be more aware of what those things mean. Full disclosure, I'm sure Mike Schultz is a good guy. He's Why like are a, you sure he's a good guy? Because uh, he seems like a good guy. What but about this story? Let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. Okay. Okay. But all that said, he's a southern, nerdy-looking white guy with glasses. I could totally see him being racist. Well, change your profiling. You I'm going like, both ways. You just gave me crap for profiling him as a good guy. I, I, well, no, I don't profile at all. So here's what happened. In you the didn't top, profile him. In the top I mean. of the third inning, Schilt um, was serving as the third base coach while Matt Williams recovers from hip surgery. He appeared to yell into the Giants' dugout after the Padres had been irked by the Giants' decision to steal second baseball had nine runs. Richardson responded to Schilt from the dugout and then was ejected by third base umpire Greg Gibson. Uh, and after the game, um, he basically said, you know, this was a historic night with Alyssa coaching first base. Um, but I want to clear up the incident that got her into the game. Schilt looked into the dugout looking to find Alex Wood, who has a longstanding relationship with Schilt. Um, and he said that Schilt said to Gabe Kapler, you need to control that motherfucker. And at that point in time, I went to the top of the top. I went to the top of the top step and said, excuse me, because I couldn't believe what I had heard. Uh, and he called it out because he said that the words were disproportionately unwarranted and undertones of racism were said when he referred to me as that motherfucker uh, as if I were controlled or a piece of property or enslaved. Any thoughts? It's not good. Um, I don't think that's what Mike Schultz meant, but... Like, yeah, I... I Look, when you hear the whole situation read aloud, I don't think... I actually have a whole philosophy on it. I actually think if you, I, I think curse words are okay. I think they can. I actually thought about this as an idea for a career. I think that I should go back to college as a professor and teach a class on swearing. I think that there's a. I think that people need to be coached on how to use curse words, how to properly use them, how to properly use curse words. Elaborate. I think 
there's a couple ways you can use swear words. You can swear at somebody. You can swear to to uh, emote your pain, to verbalize your pain. Or you can swear word. I mean, honestly, more often than not, people use uh, swear words just in place of very. If you just, you just, it's usually used just as an emphasis. But with the proper timing, swear words can be very, very funny. I think like sometimes an out of the blue swear word is hilarious. All right, bring this all full circle here. Bring it together. This does not seem to be one of those times where it was that funny. This is a targeted like, look, motherfucker, I'm coming to get you. Yeah, that's another use. Don't it say that. To as, it can be used as an intimidation word. Uh, and there's situations where that's warranted in a professional setting. Don't say it. Do not use it as an intimidation word. That will be coming up in my DEI seminar coming to IPG worldwide. This summer. So here's what led to this whole dispute coming. Uh, oh, I, forgot, I don't even need to go back to school. I'm teaching a DEI seminar. Here's what led to this whole dispute taking place. This is the ugly. It's baseball's unwritten rules rearing their ugly head again. Um, so in that game, the Giants raced out to a nine-run lead over the Padres. You Darvish gave up six runs in the first, four more in the second. Uh, at that point, for all intents and purposes, the game was quote-unquote over. But the drama was only beginning. Uh, Steven Duggar singled in the final run of the second inning. He swiped second base with a nine-run lead. Then in the bottom of the sixth, with the Giants still leading by nine, uh, Mauricio Dubon dropped a bunt single up the third baseline. The Padres dugout did not respond kindly to the situation. Bob Melvin chirped from the top step. Eric Hosmer made his feelings known to Dubon. Um, but Gabe Kapler said that they were both smart plays, saying, I fully support both of those decisions. Our goal is not exclusively to win one game in a series. It's to try to win the entire series. Sometimes that means trying to get a little deeper in the opposition's pen. I understand that many teams don't love that strategy. I'm on Kapler's side here 100%. The game is not a well-executed over. statement. The game is not over until the game is over. And especially this year where there are no Game 163. The tiebreakers is head-to-head record, and then I think it goes to run differential. You need every advantage that you can get, and you just play the game. At the end of the day, here's what it comes down to. You don't want a guy flipping the bat. Don't give up a home run. You don't want guys stealing late or bunting. Don't go down 9-10-0. It's that simple. You can't get mad at guys for continuing to play the game, especially a guy like Dubon who got sent back to AAA who's on the fringe of trying to stay in the major leagues or not. No, I agree. Uh, I thought there was more of a racial undertone to this, to this situation. I thought that he had used the N-word. Chill? Yeah. No. I had heard that reported. So yeah, no this N-word. is why we have you do the research. Yeah, no N-word. Because then I would have gone on another lecture. No, then I would have felt much more strongly about Mike Schill being a racist and not a guy. That's why I was like, well, yeah, yeah no. don't worry. Uh, but no, look, it's baseball. It's a game. You just play the fucking game. You can't tell somebody to take their foot off the gas while they're doing their job. If you, yeah, you if you're if you're doing your job, you're between the lines. Whether that's baseball player, football player, my job, Chase's job, camp counselor, until you're home for the summer, you're between the lines. You do your job, hundred percent the entire time. Yeah, I'm I'm all on Capor's team here. You you just play the game. You don't like it, win. Do something about it. Simple as that. You play to win the game. I like this tweet from Buster Only, though. That sums it up well. Uh, Bumps in one-sided games, the horror. Teams tanking multiple years of 162-game seasons. The industry looks the other way. Yeah. That, to me, is the perfect summary of how ridiculous this fucking argument is year after year. That's the thing. I think that's the other thing that that baseball has to overcome. A lot of the baseball... People in leadership positions, manager, coach, they're just so old. 
I mean, these people look... Kapler's young, but Schilt just looks old. Schilt's only 52. He looks like he's 75. Schilt's only 52? 53, the oldest. He's younger than my dad. Schilt needs... Uh, needs a home makeover. He needs... He needs, to, he needs to realize he moved from St. Louis to San Diego and up the wardrobe in appearance. Get the guy some aviators. I mean, I know that it's very much... A, whatever, Mike Schilt, if you want to start wearing shorts to games, I'll pay your fines. You need the help. He, I don't know. He, he's probably got he's, some tasty fucking thighs. He's 52. He, I, like that chick. That, I mean, I don't doubt you, but geez. 53. That's even worse somehow. No, that's actually better. Yeah. But, um, wow. That, um, no, um, that's, a uh, wow. This is, uh, this is eye-opening. I want to talk baseball ownership with you. Uh, a lot of teams haven't spent and a lot of teams haven't, a lot of teams haven't spent and have tanked. My my point my point was smart. And one ownership group since they bought the team that is consistently spent is the Washington Nationals. Yep. They they tore it down, but they had to tear it down. Um, yeah, but they to, uh, they yeah, they tore it down appropriately. They made trades and they got top prospects back. As much as it sucked to trade Scherzer and Turner, Josiah Gray and Kirby Ruiz are studs. Look, they always spend. They always have, and they won a World Series. They have the ring. They have the equity with the fans. They have the ring. And it's not like they're not paying Strasburg and Corbin, and it's not like they're not going to back up, or maybe they're not going to be the ones to back up. Someone's backing up the trucks for soda. So the learners, according to the Washington Post, have enlisted New York-based investment bank Allen & Company to explore the possibility of selling the franchise or adding new investors to the current ownership group. It's only exploratory in nature, and there's no set timetable for the outcome. Uh, the learners purchased the Nationals, formerly the Expos of Major League Baseball, for a sum of $450 million in 2006. They are now worth $12 billion. Oh, uh, according to four, two billion dollars according to Forbes, which is the twelfth most in any major league baseball franchise. Uh, Ted Lerner, who's ninety six, ceded control of the franchise to his son Mark in twenty eighteen. Uh, they won the World Series, but then there was the big fire sale over the past two years. Scherzer, Trey Turner, Schwarber, Hudson, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison, Brad Hand, John Lester. Uh, I, those were all. They all got traded last year. I know they weren't part yeah, of the fire look, sale. Schwarber was signed that offseason. Josh Harrison. Harrison. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not a fire. I mean, the problem... And of that group, Turner was the only one with team control past this season. I thought he was free agent after this. I'm saying, at the time, they traded him. Okay. Um, and look, even and even in this offseason, they knew they were going to be bad, but they spent some money. They gave Nelson Cruz $15 million, Cesar Hernandez, Anibal Sanchez, Steve Cichek. Again, names... They made a lot of quality... Names that aren't going to jump off the page, but just solid baseball players. Yeah, they made a lot of... I mean, the Cruz, like, they want to flip Cruz for... Someone will pick up Nelson Cruz in the office. So here's where this gets tricky, and it, it makes me wonder where, what the value of the Nats are going to be if they sell. Uh, the first thing is they've been mired in ongoing litigation with the Orioles regarding their television rights for the better part of a decade. The Mid-Atlantic Sports Network broadcasts national games, what is owned and operated by the Angelos family who own the Orioles. Hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue are at stake there. Um, you have the impending Soto contract. You know, if they can lock them up beforehand, the, volume, the value of the team goes way up because you have your franchise... Not only your franchise superstar, but one of baseball superstars for years. Um, but the deferred money is the killer. Strasburg has the deferred salary. Uh, Max Scherzer has deferred salary. I think they're paying him $15 million for the next seven years. Patrick Corbin had $10 million in deferrals from 2024 to 2026. Um, and even Rafael Soriano is getting paid $2 million annually through 2025 after retiring in 2015. Personally, look, I think the Nats, you have a good fan base given when the team started a good pipeline, and they're only a year or two. I don't think they're going to be bad for that long, especially if Soto stays. They have a lot of solid young talent. 
They get anything out of Corbin and they get Strasburg back. The team's there. But if the Nationals sell with all of these in mind, what do you think the number is? Well over two. Well, I'd say over. If you put the over, if the Bovada over under was 2.5, I take the over. What was the last major league team to sell? The Royals? Yes. Uh, I actually don't know. I think it, you, that sounds right. But look, these. Um, the Forbes valuations are one thing, but at the end of the day, these pro sports teams don't hit the market that often, and the people bidding on them have. People don't bid. I mean, you can't buy a sports team with all your money. People buy these sports teams because they have tens of billion dollars in the bank. It's not, this isn't a one-off investment. This is, I mean, they're usually just kind of sideshows. Like Steve Cohen bought them. Oh, it's the Mets. Oh, the Mets. For billions. For billions. Um, the valuation, if you put two, two. This is also a team in like, in the DC metro area. It's not Kansas City. It's not Cleveland. This is a real market. This is DC. Um, you know what would be funny? Uh, I don't know if there are odds on this, but uh, any shot Trump buys the Nationals. Next topic. <laughs> that would be something. Next topic. Uh, the Red Sox in the offseason. I don't were, think he has enough money. We're talking extensions with Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. They didn't reach a long-term deal with either, either player, and it is not believed that they wanted to continue negotiations during the season. Uh, John Heyman shed more light on their respective talks, uh, characterizing the size of being $100 million or more apart in both instances. Uh, they offered Bogarts $90 million over four seasons. What a slap in the face. That's offensive. Like, hi, I'm Bloom. I know you're doing your thing and you spend how the race spread and blah, blah, blah. But look at what the shortstops got this offseason. You gave Story $140 million and Bogarts is a better shortstop on your own team. Yeah. No, that's a... Um, boy, that would be a nice fuck you to the Red Sox if the Yankees poached this guy. I would be so happy. I think that's my new dream. Not big dream, but baseball dream. A reasonable dream. And the Devers contract... I don't know what the Devers contract is going to look like, but the way he hits and his age, he's a $200 million player. Easy. Sneaky good at third, too. I mean, is it crazy to think Devers could get the Machado contract? No, I don't think so. But I think of the two, I think Devers is the one the Red Sox will lock up long term. I think Bogarts is gone after this year. I think Devers is a better player. But the X-Man is their guy. He's their Jeter. He wears number two. Curacao King. Aruba. Does anyone call Cheka does just check on Xander Bogart's baseball reference? They, they always list wacky nicknames. I don't think they call him the Curacao King though. Uh, I think they will. I also man. don't think he's from Curacao. He's from the Netherlands. Oh, Chase. He's from Aruba. Mm, I don't know. Bogey. Uh, look up. Look. I think he look up. Look up Xander Bogart's Curacao. I I can't. I know he's from Aruba because every time I go on vacation there, they make, look, yeah. they make a big deal out of it. Curacao and Aruba. Well, there you go. The Curacao King is back. He's the fifth player only from Aruba to make it, though. Sidney Ponson is one of the other ones. I liked Sidney Ponson. Did Sidney Ponson... Oh, God. This is a... I, Chase, I have to ask. This is stuff I need to do for my research so I don't ask this stupid question. Is Sidney Ponson still alive? Yeah, I think he's alive. That's uh, not a crazy question. <laughs> Um, I want to give a shout-out real quick. Tony Watson, veteran left-hander reliever, is retiring after 11 seasons at the major league level. Uh, he pitched for the Padres, or the Pirates, Dodgers, Giants. I was thinking and, of Sidney Poitier. Okay. And the Angels. 
Um, and I have to give a shout out to Tony Watson because all told, he's a former all-star, uh, but he's the major league career leader in holds with 246 career holds. That's an, uh, that, I mean, that's, that's not a, that's not going to get you in, but, but that's, that's a, a fun fact. That's a hall of fame case. They've only been keeping that stat since, uh, since two, 1999, but shout out to Tony Watson. Uh, he was part of those great, good pirates teams. Him, Melanson, they had a real good I like the self-correction there. Yeah, I was going to go great. Those good Pirates teams. Relative to the rest of the but Pirates But Watson teams. was on, in a lot of good bullpens. Good left-hander. Congrats on a good career. I'm looking at Ponson's stats. All right, I need you to be the medical police here and get all self-righteous. Uh, don't mind if I do. Paul O'Neill not vaccinated. He's calling games from his home in Ohio. Uh, Coney and Kay are on the broadcast. He's calling it separate in Ohio. It's the reason that he's not broadcasting at Yankee Stadium. Originally, he said he was at home due to family issues. Andrew Marchant of the Post said it's because he's not, in fact, vaccinated. How did I, Look, I love Paulie, and I know we're retiring his number this year, but... Wow! How is he going to show up to the ceremony? That's all. another question I was going to ask, but how do you let Paulie keep his job with all the shit going on with vaccinations? I think this is... Like, how do we get on Judge for allegedly being unvaccinated? Because he can't go to Toronto, if that's the case. Maybe he just... But you let Paulie keep his job. Like, I think... If you are... Look, when you think about local business in New York, Yankees are top of mind to everyone. And if you want to be... If the number one mission, the way to end COVID, which I will theorize off-air if anyone wants to call me and talk about it, I think it's coming back this summer... The Yankees cannot pay and promote this guy on TV multiple times a week, just sitting in his basement getting, I don't know what his salary is, I guess. Uh, if it's a million dollars, I would be shocked if it, I'd expect over a million to call Yankee games. I would say high six figures because, again, okay. he's in a rotation. High six figures to do this. You put him on TV every night. I think you need to be vaccinated. And if, at, if nothing else... If you want him to, keep, if you think he's that good at his job, you can keep him doing that. But you cannot invite this guy into your stadium and reward him this season. Bad optics. The optics are atrocious. All right, let's talk injury. Big injury report. Uh, Mike, oh, it's the same two fucking guys every year. Mike Trout day to day got hit on the left hand by an eighty-one mile per hour slider. X-rays came back negative. Day to day, we'll see what happens. And the other guy who said it's every year. Byron Buxton left Friday's game in the first inning due to right near soreness. Uh, he had an MRI. There was no structural damage. Sounds like he might need a week, but he's going to avoid the injury list. I mean, this guy slid in the second on a leadoff double and hurt his knee. I, I don't know what else to say about Buxton. The trout thing, at least he got hit by a pitch. Like The trout thing. That's a, like, it look, is what it is. It's, it's, it's salt. It's fluky. It's a fluke. Buxton, man, you're so good. Just figure out how to play 130 games. You'll win the MVP if Vlad doesn't. Oh, he, would, I, he might be. I say this every year about Buxton. Multiple times a year. I say I think he's the most talented player in baseball. I he is a five, he is the definition of a five tool player. He's a stud. Like, he is unbelievable. He's just so fun to watch. Uh, and the tw- I mean, what can the Twins do? They're bet he. I mean, they have him and Correa. In a in, take injuries aside, Buxton or Correa shouldn't even in my mind not a question. Buxton's got the talent. Buxton, but they're two five. They're two of the premier five tool players in baseball. Uh, and this franchise can't do anything if this guy's. Can't. I'm like, I the Buxton. This bothers me because I love the guy. I he I have. Well, so, look, it looks like we avoided catastrophe. So, that's but that's crazy. the thing with Buxton. It's every year. It's you hold your breath. He's off the. He's not. He's going. He's avoiding the IL. He's out for a week. He's on the IL. He's off. And the then IL. the week, pick a lane. The week, <laughs> the week goes by. It's like, oh, Buxton needs to come. I drafted him in fantasy. You don't have to explain it. To oh, me. you should have done that. I did that last I year. Took him in the fifth round. 
Shouldn't have done that. Opportunity cost. I would, I, he's, I, Eddie's got a fun name, you know, he's got a, a, a alliterative name, that's always cool. Byron Buxton. Yeah, Byron Buxton. Bang, bang. Like, two, like, Byron, that's not a common name, like, I don't know any Byrons, I don't know any Buxtons. Dude, Byron Leftwich is our boy. We're big Byron Leftwich people. I like Byron Leftwich. Your boy T. Oscar Hernandez. Oh, this one this. Too. Oh, left my. a bleak strain. They're this gonna is be just cautious. a sad. This is tough. They're going to be cautious, but he should be okay. Uh, Sonny Gray, right hamstring tightness, left to start Saturday. He's on the injured list. Hunjin Ryu, 10-day injured list with left forearm inflammation. Astros closer, Ryan Presley, 10-day injured list with right knee inflammation, uh, retroactive to April 14th. Javi Baez, 10-day injured list, retroactive to April 1st with right thumb soreness, so he should be back. That can't be right, April 1st. We'll call that April 10th. I think I forgot a zero. Uh, this is a bummer for the Orioles. John Means, one of the few bright spots on the team. He's on the 60-day injured list um, with a left elbow strain. Uh, it was originally diagnosed as a strain. It's actually a sprain, uh, which has bone-to-bone tissue issues. So no John Means for a while. And our first COVID issues of the year, Brandon Nemo and Mark Kahana both tested positive, missed opening day with the Mets, but they're asymptomatic and they are fine. Uh, we have our first Toronto conundrum Tanner Hawk was supposed to start against the Blue Jays tomorrow, but he's not vaccinated. He said it's a personal choice. So he's not making a trip for the four-game series. Um, he would have been in line to start the second game. The series is actually next week. My apologies. And Alex Cora thinks you're going to be without multiple players. I'm fascinated to see who else comes out as unvaccinated. Look, my stance on vaccination is get it clear. Look, it, I think it is so selfish to not be vaccinated at this point. It's just, it's just selfish, man. Like, I don't know what you what more you need. I, I, all these people grew up in America, or I know that Hawk grew Is Hawk American? Hawk. Tanner. Yeah. Like, I'm going to call, I'll put, look, I'm a Yankee fan. Tanner Hawk, Aaron Judge, you're American. I know you've gotten shots in your life. You cannot go to college without your shots. You cannot go to a lot of schools without your shots. That's crazy. We can't go to summer camp without our shots. This shot is like granted. There's like some they had to fast track these clinical trials, but they're effective. The efficacy is enough. And look, all it is, it don't. I don't know, man. It's just it's selfish, and it's costing your team. If you're a teammate, but you're a teammate, you gotta just fall into somebody with the needles. Go, oops. Yeah, you gotta oops, oopsies, clumsy. Just like, like who are you? In- I don't get it. It's I just think it's selfish. At the end of the day, I think it's selfish not to have it by now. And like like I said, COVID is coming back this summer because the booster efficacy wears it's off. Coming back this week, New Jersey had the highest case. Dude, of the it's month. because it's because the the booster efficacy is only good for four to six months, and most people got their boosters in late fall, early winter. All right, there you heard it, Doctor Bryce. Get vaccinated. Uh, some tweets of the week. I think I- I'm a better doctor than Clyde. Hot take. I gotta give a shout out to Brett Phillips. He's so fun, so exciting for the Rays. What position does he play normally? The I don't outfield. know anymore. He plays the outfield, Who knows but he had that, he's had some funny mound appearances this year. You probably don't know him most from scoring that game winning run for the Rays in the World Series, and what I think was Game Four um, in twenty twenty. Oh. That was Brett Phillips. Was that, it may have been five. That game four, game five. Uh, but an eight-year-old girl with cancer threw out the first pitch to her favorite ba- player, Brett Phillips, gave him a bracelet, and while she's being interviewed, he went out and hit a home run. This is the shit. Like usually, when we say you can't make this shit up, it's in a negative way. This is what. Well, the it's pos- usually about Manfred. This was the positive situation where you can't make this shit up. That is a beautiful fucking story. 
Love it. Need more of that. Shout out to Rutgers Baseball. Jordan Sweeney walked it off for the second day in a row yesterday, and they won 15 games in a row. Got to give some love to my New Jersey fellas. I mean, Rutgers... I, I don't know if Rutgers... I, I can't imagine it's easy to recruit Rutgers for any sport. No, and Todd Frazier was actually tweeting out. Todd Frazier's Rutgers alum. He said, look, Jersey baseball players, because Jersey's always been a baseball hotbed. Always. They said, look, you can go to these other programs, and you're not going to play a lot. Uh, might not play a lot early on, or you could come here and make a real impact in your home state. I still don't think they're going to go to Rutgers. Can we do the NCAA thing I wanted to say earlier? Sure. NCAA, you need, like, I don't know, college baseball isn't, uh, college baseball does not have the popularity that basketball or football does, safe to say? Yes. You want. Very safe to say. How do you fix that? You get homegrown kids playing for their local colleges. So simple. It's simple because you need to get fans in attendance. Because college baseball games tend to be fun. Dude, I had such a blast getting drunk and ordering Domino's at UCLA baseball games. Like, there you go. You need that. You, you, and you want to inspire people to go. Depending on your school, you could really see some former major league or for future major leaguers. And college baseball, like, they use aluminum bags. It's crazy. They, yeah, so there's a lot. There was Dude, the only time I've ever feared for my life in a major league baseball game, 2016, 2017, they had the. Um, College baseball classic, I think it was called. UCLA was playing USC at Dodger Stadium, so we would go every year. Nice. And originally, we were situated, I think we were right behind home plate, maybe. Or no, we were on the sides, and they didn't have the nets extending past home plate. I said to my buddies, we're moving behind home plate. We're going to get killed. Yeah. They're aluminum bats. Yeah, that's nuts. But that's fun. It was a great time. Um, this is a tweet I wanted to say last week, but on April 11th this year, there were 124 strikeouts across Major League Baseball. Tony Gwynn did not hit that total over the last eight seasons of his career combined. Uh, Tony Gwynn. There are some Tony Gwynn stats that are just unbelievable. But that is one of them. And he was a D1 point guard. Um, shout out to the Mets. This is from Sarah Langs. They have the lowest ERA ever by starting a starting rotation in their team's first game of 10... Team's first 10 games of the season since earned runs became official in both leagues in 1913. They're 1.07 ERA past the 1920 Braves. And they're doing it without the Grom. Hat tip to the Mets. And um, I know I gave old white guys a hard time earlier. Happy for Buck. Ha- oh, of course. Are we is I know that you chase these I know you don't like these teams. Would you what percentage of you would enjoy watching an Astros Mets World Series knowing either Buck or Dusty gets that right? I'm rooting so hard for Dusty. As much as I love Buck, I couldn't deal with Mets fans chirping if they won the World Series. Yeah. All that said, I would rather a Mets World Series than a Jets Super Bowl. Oh, uh, yeah. No question. Ooh, yeah. Because I think a Mets World Series gets the Yankees shit together fast. Big time. Uh, this is from Andrew Simon. Shout out to Oliver Perez. Oh, wait, wait. I, I want to go back to this. You're seeing it in the playoffs now. I don't think a Mets World Series would actually do that much for the city. I think they're in New York. Uh, you would know more about LA than I would. I think in New York, it is so clear that there is an A team and a B team. And you side on the A's for all three sports. I think like the Nets have two of the top, let's just say when he's right, 20 guys in the league. That's up to, at worst, the five best scorers in the NBA, in my opinion. And I don't think the city gives a shit. Nope. The Knicks, they, would, they would rather talk about how much Julius Randle sucks than how historically unreal KD and Kyrie are. 
And I think you'd see something similar with a Met. I mean, the DeGrom thing's nice, but I think more people are upset that the judge isn't vaccinated than DeGrom's not healthy. Yep. This is from Andrew Simon. Shout out to Albert Perez, who pitched his 700th career game this week. He made his major league debut against Jamie Moyer. You don't? I like Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer still pitching? Unfortunately not. Ah. Oliver Perez. He's living through Oliver Perez. Uh, from ESPN Stats and Info, the Padres have zero errors in 11 games a season, passing the 2018 Red Sox for the longest errorless streak to begin a season in baseball history. As A-Rod said on the K-Rod cast, that is a sign of good things to come. From Jim Passan, Jim Passan uh, players that have struck out in every one of their team's games this season, Dansby Swanson, Trey Mancini, Jorge Mateo, uh, Franmil Reyes, and Darian Ruff. Tough for Orioles fans. You got two of the five, as much as we love Trey Mancini. I mean, I don't think that this will last for all five of those guys. From stats by stats, with the Orioles win Friday, every MLB team now has two wins and two losses. This is the first time across the big four American sports there were at least 20 teams in a league in a given season, and every one of them had multiple wins and multiple losses through seven games. Um... I, I like that. I don't know why I like it so much. Just but a good I do. obscure fact. Uh, from Jerry- that's bizarre. I mean, that's true. So, yeah. No, that's Some I'm, love for your boy Machado. This is from Jeremy Frank. Love Machado. Machado joined Andrew McCutcheon, Carl Crawford, Tony Gwynn, and Bob Johnson as the only players in baseball history with five runs, five hits, four runs, two steals, and a homer in the same game since 1901. Um, God, it's like I know. Wow, this is two Carl Crawford mentions in one podcast. And two for Tony Gwynn. Uh, I will focus in on Crawford again. Crawford was so good. I feel like Crawford... There's weird shit with Crawford these days. Did we talk about the weird Crawford record label? No. All right, but Save it for next week. I'm writing, that, homework, yeah, I'm writing that one down. Crawford... And my last tweet of the week from Brian Hawk. I think he has like either the Doja Cat or the Stallion... Last tweet of the week from Brian Hawk. Jordan Montgomery versus Jordan Lyles is the first pitching matchup between two Jordans in baseball history. Chase, I want you to think about your entire life of the Jordans you met. Which two Jordans in your lifetime, they could be celebrities, would you like to most see in a boxing ring? Famous people too? I guess, because I don't and know. And it's got to be first name Jordan. Yeah, I don't know a ton of... Yeah, maybe last... If we could do last names, it would be Michael Jordan and Brian Jordan. Hmm. I don't know a lot of Jordans, as I'm just finding out. No, nor do I. Jordan. Oh, I know my old manager, Jordan Schwartz. Uh, and I want him to uh, fight. Ah, isn't there that? There's that someone, Jordan. We'll go with her. There you go. That's all I got for this week's show. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? No, I got a lot of my PSAs out of the way early. Your PSAs and random facts. Um, mine will be Yanks Guardians at the stadium this weekend. Some good giveaways. Friday is Yankee Hoodie Day. Sunday is Scooby. Oh, that's a good one. Sunday is Scooby Doo Bobblehead. I will at least be there for yeah. the sweatshirt. All right, I, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna end the show with the Carl Crawford. May again. try to get a bobblehead. Um, and my other PSA will be Fish is coming to Madison Square Garden. I'm excited to be back dancing with our friends. Uh, and this headline is Megan the Stallion's latest legal battle with Carl Crawford is yet another cautionary tale for artists. Stay tuned next week. Stay tuned next week for more info there. Enjoy some baseball with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Midorski, and this is the Underdog Sports Baseball. Show.